0: Welcome to the A1 Insights Podcast, where nurses share the latest issues and trends in the perinatal space. I'm your host, Sophia Navard, and today we'll be discussing respectful maternity care. We are joined by Dr. Cheryl Larry Osman, Perinatal Clinical Nurse Specialist at Henry Ford Hospital, and Dr. Ifiengwa Asaudu, Assistant Professor at the UCSF School of Nursing. They will give us an overview of the respectful maternity care movement, share the ways in which COVID-19 has exacerbated health care inequities, and provide our listeners with respectful care strategies that they can implement at their institutions. Welcome, Cheryl and Ifiengwa.
1: Hi, everyone, my name is Cheryl, Larry Osmond, and I am a perinatal clinical nurse specialist at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit, Michigan. I have been working in the space of maternal child health for over 25 years in the inpatient setting covering labor and delivery and high-risk pregnancy. During this time, I have also been trained as a healthcare equity scholar through Henry Ford Hospital, and in that role, I have been able to share efforts and education in at the local, state, and national level related to healthcare equity strategies for when caring for moms and babies. I am also a member of the National AWON Board of Directors, and it is my pleasure today to share with you information related to respectful maternity care.
2: Wonderful. Um, thank you so much for the invitation to participate in today's podcast. Uh, My name is Ethan Wasiadu, and as you mentioned, I am an assistant professor in the Department of Family Healthcare Nursing at the University of California in San Francisco in the School of Nursing. And my clinical career began about 17 years ago in critical care. Uh, I worked primarily in step-down ICU and high-acuity med surge. However, uh, majority of my time, I would say about the last 13 years, has been spent in public health as a perinatal home visitor, um, nurse home visitor, an administrator, and lactation consultant. So really excited to be here with you to be discussing respectful maternity care. So thank you.
0: Wonderful, we're happy to have you both. All right, so let's start with Cheryl. Can you give us an overview of the respectful maternity care movement and why there's been a shift towards promoting this particular
1: effort? Yes, thank you so much, for that's a great question. Um, Worldwide, in, in general, maternal health efforts have really shifted the effort on increasing service utilization to improving the quality of care that we provide for our patients. So the concept of respectful maternity care has really evolved over the past few decades to include very diverse perspectives and frameworks. The World Health Organization recommended uh, or defined respectful maternity care as care that is organized for and provided to all birthing people in a manner that maintains dignity, privacy, confidentiality, ensures freedom of harm and mistreatment, and enables informed choice and continuous labor support and childbirth. It is a crucial component of the quality of care that we provide, and it is definitely a human right the spectrum of respectful maternity care has really expanded over the last few years um, not only to include shared decision making but also the elements that um, birthing people have a right and are respected even if they decline or have questions about their treatment Um, it impacts uh, ensuring that the voices of our of our families and our patients are heard And including the healthcare team and their efforts to assure that we are providing quality care to the patients and family, and in general, listening to the needs of families and and patients, whether they're in the hospital setting or beyond the hospital setting as well. Um, The incidents of maternal mortality has certainly highlighted or heightened the need for respectful maternity care over the the past few decades as well. And you can see that um, many efforts not only in the hospital setting but in the ambulatory setting, in the public health setting, in the community setting have really strengthened the efforts to um, include respect in all touch points and in all elements of the care we provide to our patients and families. Awesome.
0: Thank you, Cheryl. And if Yengwa, uh how has COVID-19 impacted respectful maternity care practices?
2: This is such an important question, especially given uh, the duration of the pandemic, right? Um, something that I think many of us thought would be um, uh, a, not a very long type of duration in terms of the impact on care, that has turned into a very chronic and long-term situation. And unfortunately, the pandemic has significantly impacted respectful maternity care and perinatal care and exacerbated uh, pre-existing perinatal uh, inequities, um, especially those experienced by black, indigenous, and people of color. At the height of the pandemic, uh, we saw immediate transitions uh, from in-person care appointments to virtual, and telehealth options. And while this move was necessary really in in regard to mitigating the spread of COVID-19, many institutions didn't necessarily stop to assess the needs of birthing families. Like if they had access to stable internet or broadband or devices to conduct such um, virtual or online or telehealth type visits. In addition to the care appointments, we also saw changes to hospital visiting guidelines and policy, which limited the number of individuals that could support a birthing person um, or women. And this included limiting the number of family members and or even doulas that could be at the bedside. Um, So we know that that significantly impacted the way in which uh, women and birthing individuals received Um, support during uh, the labor experience. And then after birth, some families also had to deal with uh, maternal and infant or what sometimes we call diet separations, especially those that were identified as um, being COVID-positive or under investigation, Uh, but often those separations were done with very limited discussions and really providing options in regard to being able to provide um, PPE and really practicing um, proper respiratory and hand hygiene to be able to keep those dyads together. But we also saw that those separations impacted family bonding and infant feeding decisions. And then lastly, unfortunately, due to the inconsistent uh, messaging at the beginning of the pandemic and even towards the middle of the pandemic, We saw, um, unfortunately, very predatory marketing and behavior um, by formula companies, uh, especially in regard to just contacting hospitals directly to engage them in discussions around their needs, around infant formula and things of that nature, which is, in some states and in some areas, a direct violation in terms of, especially if someone is baby-friendly, that is a practice that we don't necessarily support. But what we also found is during the early stages of the pandemic and even unfortunately now, um, there was very limited support in regard to lactation and breast and chest feeding and or the expression of human milk and um, the utilization of donor human milk as there were fears which have been since proven to be incorrect that human milk could potentially spread the virus, the birthing parent to the infant, however, Numerous research studies have shown that that is untrue and, and false, and so we definitely wholeheartedly support breast and chest feeding and the utilization of donor human milk
1: now. Ifenwa, I, I could not have said it better myself. You really touched on so many important points related to the COVID pandemic and the, the different transitions that we have had over the last the last year it has been an amazing year for so many different reasons um, and it, it, it makes us as clinicians um, speaking for for someone working in the hospital setting to be really flexible in the way that uh, we are communicating and to be very intentional about uh, providing respectful maternity care to our birthing families so that we do not limit and 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 um, separate families during the pandemic, being mindful certainly of the COVID restrictions and the COVID recommendations for safety, not only for the families, but for the patients, um, but for the staff as well. So I, I would say that um, the impact has been great for our, our families that we are caring for. And as a clinician, It has made me personally, um, and I can speak for some of my colleagues as well, very intentional about creating those connections with patients in light of the barriers that we have to do that. Wonderful. Thank you both. We'll circle back to
0: Cheryl. Why is it important for nurse leaders to implement respectful maternity care strategies
1: at their institutions? That's another great question. Um, I would say that nurses play a very vital role in the care of women and birthing people during pregnancy, labor birth, and in the postpartum periods. It's important for nurse leaders to be aware and knowledgeable of why, of what respectful maternity care is and why it's important to the lives of the, the patients and families that we care for on a daily basis and to examine their space in the healthcare setting and look at how they as individuals and the unit and the hospital system or or, or entity or institution where they work, whether it be inpatient, outpatient, home care, how they can help with um, maintaining and creating avenues of respectful maternity care. For many women, there. Their introduction to the healthcare system is often during the time where they are giving birth or during the pregnancy period. So it can really impact their willingness and, and desire to seek any type of future care needs that they may have, and it can impact the overall life course of them as an individual and their family as well. Respectful care in general impacts building trust. It impacts healthcare outcomes the patient's future uh, of use of healthcare services, patient satisfaction, whether we keep or lose patients to other healthcare systems, and provider satisfaction and the, the care team experience as well. Every person deserves respectful birth and healthcare experiences, and as nurse leaders, it's important for us to develop strategies to accomplish that and um, hone the strategies that we have to assure that respectful maternity care is embedded in our daily lives, and we hardwire that, whether there is a pandemic or not, um, so that we are intentional intentional about providing that care. Thank you. I completely agree, and Cheryl, I wish you could see me. I was just nodding. Um,
2: during everything you were saying. I just want (laughs) to echo that as well in terms of, and just want to add, you know, um, nurses are identified as the most respected profession year after year after year, right? And we're just coming off of um, 2020 being the year of the nurse and midwife. So I think it's really important for us as a profession and as leaders to reciprocate Um, that same respect to our patients and families. Also, given the historical harm and trauma and systemic racism and oppression and bias um, that's experienced by our families and communities of color, our immigrant families and those most marginalized, providing respectful maternity and perinatal care, as Cheryl mentioned, um, not only improves patient satisfaction and improves perinatal disparities and inequities, but it also aligns with many of the efforts um, our different hospitals and institutions have going on right now to create more diverse, inclusive, and equitable environments.
0: Awesome, thank you both. And if are, what strategies are you currently implementing at your institution?
2: That is such a great question. Thank you so much. Um, First, I want to say or start with that, you know, these are really, um, these have been really challenging and trying times. Uh, However, I'm really proud of the work and the strategies that have been implemented at UCSF and within UCSF Health to address um, respectful maternity and perinatal care, especially in light of Um, the pandemic, and also um, during during the racial reckoning that has been ongoing. Um, And I just want to take a moment to also acknowledge the amazing providers and staff and leadership within our birth center and outpatient services. Um, I think in an effort to really meet patients and families where they are right now, our providers and staff have created very accessible ways um, in which for us to be able to communicate and educate our patients and families and our communities, Um, specifically wanting to highlight a webinar series that was created to provide uh, critical education and information and to really ease fears related to birthing during the pandemic. And just last week, um, our providers um, participated in a webinar to address um, pregnancy and lactation in regards to the vaccine that is currently um, being disseminated right now. Uh, we also provide a balance of telehealth and in-person options for care appointments and lactation support. Again, realizing how important it is to really mitigate the spread and wanting to reduce in-person um, experiences and exposure, but also realizing that there's just some assessments and sometimes we really just need to be in person and just really you need to be able to put your eyes on someone, right, and really um, understand and connect with them Um to ensure that they're doing well, um, their infant is doing well, and things of that nature. We also offer midwifery and centering pregnancy models of care and realize how important um, options are for pregnant and birthing people. And so we really identify that as important. And in regard to our group models of care, not only do we have the Centering Pregnancy model, but we also have started um, Embrace, which is a group model of care that was created specifically for our um, Black and African American um, pregnant and birthing patients, realizing and understanding that Um, to really help mitigate the impact of systemic racism and bias and discrimination, um, that it was really important to be able to provide um, culturally appropriate and informed care to our most marginalized um, patient population. Um, We also have private rooms and Wi-Fi, and something that I'm really excited about and proud of, um, we're currently on the baby-friendly Um, pathway. And um, in December of 2020, we had our assessment number one. We were on track to have our in-person assessment prior to the pandemic, but, you know, everything has changed (laughs) since then. But, you know, we really believe in providing our patients with necessary information and education um, for them to be able to make an informed decision as it relates to infant feeding. And Lastly, our university, under the leadership of the Office of Diversity and Outreach, has created um, an anti-racism initiative. And the initiative is really to directly attack and address uh, systemic racism and bias and other challenges that are Black, Indigenous, and people of color and other minoritized um, individuals, um, faculty, staff, students, our patients, our families, and community space. And this has been a really important um, effort um, and incredibly important, especially during the pandemic. And so there are a number of different strategies um, that we've been implementing that uh, we hope will really um, create more inclusive, more welcoming, more equitable care environment um, within our health system and within our birth, sense, our birth center.
1: And um, that, that's great, Miss um, You, you, your, your health system, um, and institution, they are doing some great work. Um, at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit, where I work, we are, we have several different strategies at as well related to um, implementing respectful maternity care. Um, one of our newest initiatives that we're undertaking is we are providing. Um, courses or training class on unconscious bias and respectful care to all of the maternal child health um, team members, and that includes uh, the OB nurses and providers as well as our NICU nurses and providers, our anesthesia uh, colleagues, uh, OB techs, nurse assistants, the clinics, the clinic staff, MAs um, as well, and clerks. All of the individuals who have touch points with our patient population are certainly including our social work team, our lactation consultants. So we are on that journey for providing unconscious bias training to all of our staff, starting with a three-hour training session, which includes pre-learning with items such as the Harvard Implicit Association Test and some other elements as well. This is the first in a long-term initiative that we will have to in, ensure that unconscious bias is part of our learning and our goal is to, to diminish that um, moving forward with continued effort on that strategy. Um, we also, as a, as a hospital, uh, like Efenwa's institution, have a, a midwifery service. We actually have the largest midwifery service in Michigan at this time. Uh, we also have group prenatal care that is run by our, our midwives, and it's also we also include community health workers to, to partner with the patients that are involved in the group prenatal care program, not only throughout the pregnancy but after the pregnancy as well. Uh, we have certainly virtual visits due to COVID um, and in-person visit, visits and trying to connect um, with the patients as much as we can um, in different ways based on what the needs of the patients are throughout the, the care that they are with with us um, during the pregnancy and, and afterwards. We are a baby-friendly hospital, and with that, we certainly have our strategies to increase lactation support and lactation uh, and breastfeeding for our patients and family with the lactation consultants that we have, which is a great um, asset. We have trained all of the nursing staff and providers on efforts related to breastfeeding and we are uh, certainly still maintaining our, our, um, our designation and using efforts to certainly increase our breastfeeding rates um, along with that. We do provide free classes to patients and families who are breastfeeding and who would like more information. We had to transition, of course, to virtual due to COVID, but that is still a free service that we have. As a magnet designated hospital as well, we do have some other services that we offer to our families. As a health system, we have a healthcare equity scholars program um, that trains individuals within our health system in the ambulatory and inpatient setting. In all different areas of the, the hospital, in the business sector, as well as in the clinical sector, on how to embed health equity and use an equitable eye in the the clinical care that we provide and the non-clinical care to assure that our patients and families are getting equitable services. And with that, we have a an office of multicultural health that really helps spread and spearhead some of the initiatives related to health equity um we are recently on the journey of of hiring a diversity equity and inclusion Point person for the OB services. We already have one for the health system, but as a women's health department, we are going to be uh, in there. They may have hired a person by now, but we are going to be embarking on someone that is specifically going to um, spearhead efforts related to maternity services and women's health services at the hospital. Um, So we are, um, as many institutions are, doing many different things and using different avenues to um, help embed and uh, maintain our respectful care to our, our patients and family, and also along the way educate our staff on how to not only provide that on a daily basis, but really have that embedded as, as um, touch points and as efforts moving forward to provide, quote, great quality care to our patients and family. Thank you. I could say more, but, you know, we don't have that much time.
0: thank you so much cheryl all right well both cheryl and ifengua i thank you again for all of your efforts and your dedication to caring for mothers and babies and thank you for taking the time to share your insights on this crucial topic with our listeners today
1: thank you you. for the opportunity yes thank you so much
0: anytime and to all of our listeners, be sure to be on the lookout for our respectful maternity care evidence-based guidelines in November 2021. Until then, you may visit our website at a1.org for additional resources. And as always, please note that this information is not intended to replace a consultation with your provider. If you're having an emergency, please dial 911. Until we meet again, remember that we are all stronger together. This has been Sophie Navard for A1 Insights.